Is that my mic that's making that noise, guys? One, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. All right. Matthew chapter 11, have you found it? If you found it, say amen. All right, Matthew chapter 11. Man, it's good to be in the house of God today here at Faith Life Center. Good to be in God's house every Sunday, man. This is the day the Lord has made, amen? Matthew chapter 11, we're going to get right into the Word of God today, picking up from where we left off last week. We are on a series I've entitled Over Easy, Over Easy. Now, for me to entitle it Over Easy since I hate eggs, that's a weird title. But anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, let's look at this together. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We've been talking about a place of rest. Everybody say rest. A place of rest for the children of God. A place of rest that we can live in on a daily basis. Now, I always love using Webster's 1828 Dictionary because uh, it, it gives much broader and deeper definitions to words than the modern dictionaries do. And it also, many times, it uses a lot of scriptural references in the definitions. But I looked the word rest up. And in Webster's 1828, for the word rest, it says, cessation of motion or action of any kind. And applicable to any body or being, a rest from labor, a rest from mental exertion, a rest of body or mind. And then it, it makes this statement. Here's the last, the last phrase. The mind is at rest when it ceases to be disturbed or agitated. The mind is at rest where it, when it ceases to be disturbed or agitated. And so when I saw that, what I thought, what I realized is that there is a place that God wants you and I to get to in our lives where we cease to be disturbed or agitated. Now... How many of you sometimes get agitated by people? Especially on the freeways, amen. Our parking lots, they don't know how to drive, hallelujah. <laughs> but there is a place of rest. How many of you get agitated by 
events that happen in or around your life. Yeah. We all do. We all have at times or another. But there is a place with God that we can live in where we cease to be disturbed or agitated by what's going on around us. And so as we saw in our first session on this, that the first step in living in this place where we cease to be disturbed or agitated is we've got to come to Jesus. Have you ever used that phrase? Have you ever heard that phrase, we need to come to Jesus moment? Right? We've got to come to Jesus. This represents that you and I must stop trying to do it, stop trying to fix it, stop trying to make it happen on your own or through your own efforts. That we've got to come to Jesus. Amen? Now, I mean, let's face it this morning. Every one of us in here, we have a little bit of a problem letting go of control. All right, let me try that one again. I said all of us in this room, to some degree or another, we have a little bit of a challenge letting go of control. Amen. See? I'll just let you marinate on that one for a while. It's really part of human nature. It is that that human nature wants to be in control. And when when I go somewhere, if I'm in a group setting, and, and, and quite frequently uh, I will be, you know, at an event, I'll be somewhere, I'll be with a group of ministers, and, and in that setting, uh, I've become known as the tour guide. You're going, the tour guide? Yeah. Because when I'm in a group and everybody's going, okay, what are we going to do? If somebody doesn't make a decision, I'll make the decision. All right? Uh, because I just can't handle people not making decisions. It's like this is too simple. And, and so I'll make the, I'll, I'll make the decision, and, but I can promise you we'll have fun. And so kind of the joke is, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let Willoughby's the tour guide, so what are we doing today, you know? Where are we going to eat, so on and so forth, you know? And, and because my nature, my personality is take charge. If I'm in a group, there's indecision, I'll just take charge. That's my personality. And sometimes I have to back off of that because somebody might not like me taking charge. And, but we all have that tendency we want to take charge. We want to be in control. Can you say amen? So if we come to Jesus, we're relinquishing control and we're giving it to him. We're saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. Number two, we left off last time, is that the second step is it's going to require faith. It's going to require faith to live in this place of rest 
where we cease to be disturbed or agitated by situations, circumstances, events, or people. Amen? So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll begin at verse number 1 today. Hebrews 4, verse number 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. Now remember, God had made a promise to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt, but that first generation, they didn't enter into that rest. And so here is the writer of Hebrews, hundreds of years later, says, Since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Listen, what we need to be concerned about is that we don't get there. We need to be concerned about if we don't enter that rest. We, we, we shouldn't be concerned about is there a place of rest. We should be concerned about if I don't get to that place of rest. See, there is a place of rest that God has for me to live in in my life, but I, I need to be concerned that somehow I don't miss it. I want to get to that place that God has for me. And so, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So here the writer is saying the same thing they heard, we've heard. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and guess what? We're hearing the same thing. Why? The word hasn't changed. We're hearing the same thing. We're getting the same word. All right, yes, in that day, they had what we call the Old Testament. Today, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amen. We've got not only the writings of the law and the writings of the prophets, but we have the writings of the, uh, of the I mean, the, the writings of the prophets, but we have the writings of the apostles, and we have the writings, the epistles that Paul laid out for the churches, we have the entire Word of God. So the same thing they heard, we heard. But look at this. But the Word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And this is what is so critical, is that you can hear the Word of God but you have got to allow the Word of God to be mixed with faith if it's going to be beneficial in your life. You see, you could go to Home Depot this afternoon. You could buy a bag of cement. You could take that bag of cement home. You could dig a hole in the ground. You could set a post into that hole. You could open that bag of cement up and you can dump it into that hole and walk away. And you could come back in a day, in a week, in a month, and guess what? That post is not going to be solid. That post could be pulled out of that hole with one hand. Why? Because you've got to take that cement and you've got to mix it with something to make it beneficial. Are you following me? You take that cement and you mix some water with it. Now you pour it into that hole, and in a few hours, it will get hard, and that post will not go anywhere. 
But until you mix water with that cement, that cement ceases to be productive for what it was created for. Until we mix faith with the promise of God, it ceases to be productive uh, in what it was created for. Amen. Those who heard it, they did not profit from it because it was not mixed with faith. See, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that there is a promise of a place of rest in God. It's a place that God promised to the children of Israel under the patriarchs and the prophets. It was still available to them as children of God when Hebrews were being written, and it is still available to you and I today in 2020, a place where we can enter into with God that our body, our physical life, and our mind, our mental, emotional life ceases to be disturbed or agitated. Sounds like a good place, doesn't it? But it says, let's be careful that we don't come up short on getting there. Amen? Let's be careful that we don't come up short on getting there. And then the writer goes on to say, we've heard the same word that they heard. Listen to me. God doesn't change. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. The same as he was when he brought Israel out of Egypt, the same he was when he brought Daniel through the lion's den, the same that he was uh, when the baby was born in the manger, the same that he was when the Apostle Paul went through the shipwreck and all the other things that he experienced, the same he is today. God doesn't change. He doesn't change with each new fad that comes through our culture. Hello? He doesn't change with every new movement that comes along. Listen, I've seen so many movements, I have seen so many fads come through the church in over 46 years that I've been in active full-time ministry. I've lost count. Amen. I mean, I can't even remember half of the things that, that blew through the church. Some came through, and in three months, they were gone, and a new fad was there. Hello? You know, I mean, I, I, I have seen it all. But here's what I want you to know. He is the same today as he was 2,000 years ago when Christ walked on this earth. And he's going to be the same uh, no matter what happens tomorrow or next month or next year. Listen, he's the same whether it's coronavirus, Rancho Cucamonga virus, or Fontana virus. Hello? Listen, he brought me through and provided for me when gas hit $5 a gallon, uh, and he'll bring me through and provide for me today. He brought you and I through when we dealt uh, with swine flu, Asian flu, bird flu, and who knows what other kind of flu we dealt with, and he'll bring us through this. God doesn't change. 
you got to get that into your heart. Mix it with faith that my God is bigger than, stronger than, greater than, more powerful than my God is able. Can you say amen? What is God doing today? He's the same as 2,000 years ago. See, man is still a sinner by nature. He can't save himself. Jesus is the only way to heaven. We're forgiven and placed in right relationship with God by faith through grace in Christ. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ did on that cross 2,000 years ago. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Word of God still works when you mix it with faith. It was that way 2,000 years ago. It was that way 1,000 years ago. It was that way 100 years ago. And it's still that way today. And it'll continue to be the same tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. Why? He's the same. Amen. He's the same. He's the same. God, revive us to recognize that we need to mix the Word of God, the promises of God, we need to mix them with faith in our lives. Amen? The Word that they heard did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Now think about how you get the Word. There's two ways. There's two ways that you get the word. Number one, these two things on the sides of our head, our ears. Number two, the two things that are in front of our head, our eyes. We get the word of God through our sight or through our hearing. We see it as we read it. We hear it as someone speaks it. Amen? The word of God enters into our lives through our ears or through our eyes, but then it must get mixed with faith in our hearts in order for it to produce what God sent it forth to produce in our lives. Now listen to me. There are millions of people sitting in church or watching online today that will hear the Word of God, but they will not mix it with faith. Many because they simply don't have a revelation of that. They don't understand Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please God. They don't understand we walk by faith and we, we don't walk by sight. They don't understand this principle of faith and how critical it is to the production of the Word of God in your life. So they go to church for whatever reason it may be. They hear the Word of God. It enters their life, but that's all that happens. It doesn't get mixed with faith. To them, it's like a story. To them, it's like reading a book. It's like watching a TV show or a movie. They're hearing a story. They're hearing the preacher stand up and say something. It sounds good. I feel like I'm doing a, uh, my, my, my service to God. I'm, I'm in his house. I'm paying respect to him. And they get up and they walk out the door, and their life never changes. Why? Because they do not mix faith with what they hear. For many, 
it is a simple mental exercise they go through when they go to church on Sundays. Look at what the writer says. It did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. People read the Bible like they're reading a novel. It's not how you read the Bible. They're reading the Bible like they're reading a, a work of fiction. That's not how you read the Bible. See, when you read the Word of God, the first thing you need to do is you need to pray and say, Father, let the Holy Spirit reveal to me today the truths and the principles that you have for me to see and that I need in my life as I read your Word. And then you read the Word of God with an open heart, believing that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you and show you the truths, the principles, the precepts that God has in His Word that you need in your life in order to get you to that place and keep you in that place of rest. Where you're not disturbed and you're not agitated, but your body, your mind, your soul is at rest. Can you say amen? You've got to read it from a position of faith and allow the truth, the principles, the precepts that you see on the pages to be mixed with faith in your hearts. What was the shortcoming of the children of Israel? Their unbelief. Their unbelief. I talked about it last week. I don't understand how you could watch all that God did in Israel, in Egypt. You could watch plague after plague after plague after plague hit Egypt but not affect you. And then the final straw that you could watch an angel of death come through the land and, and take every male child of the Egyptian but not touch the Hebrews. And then you could watch Pharaoh who refused to release you as a slave, as a captive, tell you, go, leave, get out of Egypt, and listen, as you leave, take this gold, take this silver, take all this stuff with you, and you walk out, and God provides, and then you come to the Red Sea, and God rolls it back, and you walk across on dry land, and then you turn around and watch the chariots and the horses and the soldiers coming after you get drowned as the sea rolls back in and covers them over. You can experience all of those things, and then you get to this place, and you go, I wished I'd have stayed in Egypt and died. I don't understand that. How anyone could experience all of those things and then doubt God. But they did. And can I tell you something? Every day today, people do the same thing. God provided. God brought them through something. God did something for them six months ago. Two years ago, six years ago, 15 years ago, but they come now to a situation, to a difficulty, to something in their life, 
and they wonder, can God do it? Will God do it? What's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing every day for the past almost 50 years. Amen? Amen. The children of Israel, their shortcoming was their lack of faith. And listen, if we're going to get to that place of rest, we must step into that place of rest by faith. Come to Jesus. Come to him in faith believing. Mix the word of God, the promises of God with faith in your heart. And when circumstances look a certain way, don't allow that to move you off of that place. And listen, circumstances will change. Circumstances will happen. Situations will come your way, and your adversary will send those situations to try to move you off of your faith. This report, that report, some other report, this event, that event, some other event, this person, that person, some other person, this situation, that situation, some other situation. It will come to try to move you off of your faith, but you have got to stand strong on that revelation that God gave you that if you mix the promise of God with faith in your heart, it will produce and take you in to that place of rest that you can abide in with God, that you cease to be disturbed, you cease to be agitated, you cease to be frustrated, and you live at peace every day in your life. Amen. Matthew chapter 8, you've got the centurion. The centurion, he comes to Jesus. You remember the story? And, and, and nowhere does it tell us that, that he was a believer. He was a Roman. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman. He, he was a high-ranking officer in the Roman arm, army. But he had heard about Jesus, and he mixed what he had heard about Jesus with faith in his heart, and he came to Jesus, and in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus marveled at his faith, right? He marveled at his faith. This is not a Jew. This is a Roman. Then the next chapter, the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she is hemorrhaged. For 12 years, she had spent all of her money on doctors until she was broke and they had not helped her. <laughs> Sound like some doctors today. <laughs> Hello? And she came to Jesus. And what happened? Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't say, I made you well. But we know he could because he was the son of God. But he said to her, your faith has made you well. See, she heard Jesus was coming by her neighborhood. She had heard the stories of him, and she mixed it with faith in her heart. You hear it in her words before she ever left her house when she said, if I can just get to him and if I can just touch the edge of his clothing, I shall be made well. 
What was she doing? She was mixing the promise with faith. This is what we must do, folks. We must mix the word of God, the promises of God, with faith in our heart. You go on down to Matthew chapter 15. Now, you've got a mother from Canaan. Her daughter was sick. The woman was a Gentile. So what do we see here? We see a Roman, we see a Jew, and we see a Gentile. Three different cultures. Matthew chapter 15, the woman's daughter was sick. In that day, you've got to remember the cultural differences between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews looked at the Gentiles and considered them dogs. Dogs, unworthy of what God had. And his disciples kept asking him to send her away. She is refusing to leave. She's pleading her case. My daughter is sick. My daughter is sick. Come on, Jesus, send this crazy woman away. What do we have to do with this dog? Get her out of here. But no, in verse number 28, Jesus answered her and said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Are you seeing this pattern? The word we hear, the word we receive, we can't just let it go in this ear and let it go out that ear. We can't just hear it, walk out these doors and forget what we heard. We have to take what we hear, whether we're hearing it in church, we're hearing it from a minister of God, or we're sitting down and reading it for ourselves. We've got to hear it. And we've got to mix it with faith. And we mix it with faith in our hearts. It begins to produce something. I mean, you stop and think about how many things in, in life, how many things that you use, how many things, whatever it might be, that you have to mix things together, right? If you, want, if you want to bake a cake, you've got to take all these ingredients and mix them together, right? If, if you leave one ingredient out, what happens? It doesn't produce. Huh? It doesn't. What if you leave the baking powder out? You get a flat cake, don't you? It doesn't rise. What if you leave the eggs out? It's going to taste bad. huh? If you leave the water out of the concrete, what happens? It doesn't set up. It doesn't get hard. Your fence post doesn't become stable. You want to glue something together, and, and, and you're using an epoxy. You've got to mix. You've got to mix things together. Is that you want the Word of God to work in your life? You've got to mix it with faith. You've got to mix it with faith. Stop listening to the naysayers. Stop listening to the people who say it doesn't work, people who want to make fun of you. You listen to the Word of God, and when you take it in, mix it with faith and say, that's my promise, that's my word, 
God's going to do that for me. God's going to move on my behalf. God's going to heal my body. God's going to touch my family. God's going to deliver my kids. God's going to provide for me. God's going to open a door. God's going to give me a better job. God's going to give me a home. Whatever it is, you mix it with faith and you don't let go. And you can enter into that rest. When you study Scripture, when you study the Word of God, you see the one thing that gets God's attention is faith. Jesus marveled at faith. Jesus commented on faith. Multiple times you'll see him say, go your way, your faith has made you well. He didn't say, go your way, I've healed you. No, go your way, your faith has made you well. Go your way, your faith has done it. They did not enter into rest because of unbelief. Let me read this scripture to you, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this today, and We'll continue next week as we look at this, but I just, I just really felt in my spirit, I just wanted, I've got to hammer this point home, I've got to drive it home, drive it home, drive it home, is that we've got to mix the Word of God with faith in our lives if it's going to produce and if we're going to move into that place of rest with God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to repentance. He's not lazy. He's not slack. If he promised it, he will do it. We just need to believe him and mix it with faith. It's like that explosive ingredient, nitroglycerin. You take the glycerin, you take the nitro, independently of one another. They do nothing, but you mix them together and it becomes a powerful force. You know, it's like... We, we just, we, we saw, if you saw that horrible explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, about a week or a week and a half ago, a warehouse that was simply filled with several thousand tons of fertilizer. Fertilizer. It had been there for years. But one day, an ignition source got mixed with the fertilizer, and what happened? A devastating explosion that rocked the entire city. Amen. I have a ministry friend that has a ministry in Beirut. Their building is located four miles from that warehouse. They have a four-story building called the Mission Center. Four-story building, four miles away, every single window in the building was blown out and several ceilings in the building fell four miles away from the blast how powerful it was 
But that fertilizer had been sitting there for years. But the moment the, pro the right ignition got mixed with the fertilizer, you see, I don't care how powerful the Word of God is until it gets mixed with faith in our hearts. Hello? We can come to church every Sunday and hear it, but until it gets mixed faith gets mixed with faith in our hearts. We can hear Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, but he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed until I mix that with faith in my heart. See, we can hear Philippians, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory, but till we mix it with faith in our heart. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you can prosper, till, but until we mix it with faith in our hearts, it's not going to produce in our lives. Amen? Do you want to enter into that place of rest, that place with God where you cease to be your mind, your body, your emotion, your spirit is disturbed and agitated by everything that comes along? Then number one, we got to come to Jesus. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Stop trying to control it. Get my hands on the steering wheel. Come on. Get my hands on the steering wheel because I want to drive this vehicle. We got to come to Jesus. And number two, we've got to step into that place by faith and we got to take the promise of God and mix it with faith in our hearts. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I pray, Father, that you let this word touch every heart and life. And God, help each one of us, those of us here, those of us watching online, help each one to understand the importance of mixing your word with faith in our hearts. That we can step into that place of rest, that place of that we can abide and that we can dwell in with you. In Jesus' name.